Hey y'all, we are back with another episode of Black Women Healing Pod. And of course we have a special guest on, the book that we have been talking about all month. We're ready to talk about it today. But before we jump in and talk about this fabulous book, we wanna you know, continue our conversations that we've been having. And so we wanna talk about Black History Month and the ways that we celebrate Black History Month during the month and throughout the year. So we talked about this with another guest, but we always wanna hear you know, different perspectives. So last time, Danica put me on the spot and had me just jump right in. So this time, I'm going to put her on the spot and ask her to give a different answer from last time and see what she says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, thinking of this right now, I'm like, I remember on even on the podcast, we tried, I don't know if, if y'all been listening and rocking with us, then y'all would know about these episodes. It was maybe four episodes where we tried to do this trivia thing with our guests, where we were trying to have them like guess Black History Month, like Black History questions. Um, and I really, I really wanted that to work, but it just wasn't just because it just didn't make sense, right, at the time for our podcast. But I felt like that was a way for me to celebrate Black history, really just trying to be knowledgeable about history I'm not gonna lie history has never been like one of my strong suits because I suck at remembering dates and names Mm -hmm. but I do not forget moments Mm -hmm. so especially when it's told in a relatable way so I really appreciate like just learning I feel like that's the way that I try to celebrate I always buy books and you know somebody has some new information about black history about my ancestors I want to know so what about you put you back on the spot (laughs) I actually wanted to change the question and kind of ask the question of what ways are we pouring into like the black people in our lives and other black people because Mm -hmm. when you're talking about like buying buying books and stuff I've been thinking about you know how I spend my money and so I've been trying to be more conscious of buying black products and um there's this show I don't know if it's a show or a movie but it was on Netflix and this guy he purposely I think his name is like money Mike or something and he tries to only live off products made by black people and um, tries to only go to black places like to support black businesses and it made me think okay I feel like I don't support black businesses and so from seeing that I don't know if it's a documentary or show whatever it is from seeing that I've been trying to at least buy one thing from you know a black business every month so that's something that I've been trying to do so I've kind of created like my own list on Instagram of like, you know, this is a black business I plan to support next month. Or if I have like some extra money, you know, I'll buy a few different things from a few different black businesses. And I'm learning about so much black, like luxury lines where I'm like, where have I been all this time? Louis Vuitton, who? Brandon Blackwood all day, right? (laughs) So I kind of want to just follow up and ask you that question real quick. Like what ways do you find yourself like pouring into the black community now? It's, that's a hard one because I feel like I, I do buy from Black businesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as mindful and intentional as I should be. Uh, I just do it. If I like it, I, I buy it. I want it. to support, uh, but also if it's something I can utilize, which, you know, Black people are resourceful, so it's usually something you can use, then I do buy it. Other ways I feel like I pour in is, I guess, positivity. Uh, mm-hmm. I try my best to be positive when it comes to pouring into other black people, especially, I don't have a problem admitting to anybody. People ask me why I moved to Inglewood from San Diego. I'd be like, because I want to be around black people. And <laughs> I don't care who it is. When I've started, right. new, when I've started new jobs, they'll ask me that in my interview and I'll tell them, 
uh, it's because I want to be around black people. And I feel like that's my way of pouring into the black community and saying like, it's important. It's important to have community. So I know we've been talking, Najere, what about you? Um, I, I like the answer that um, Maya gave. Um, it, the, what you're talking about is a show that Killer Mike did and he did yes. it at, in and around Atlanta and he only wanted to live off of black businesses. And it was a great show because it not only showed that there are black businesses out there for everyday use, but it also showed the lack of black businesses in some industries. So the way that I pour into the community is that I volunteer constantly and I'm intentional about volunteering in Black communities. Mm -hmm. um, also, I am a t-shirt junkie. So if there's a t-shirt and I like what it says, if it's made by a Black vendor, I'm likely going to buy it. Um, so that's one of the things. And I also just discovered the McBride sisters and their wine mm -hmm. that make. So for Christmas and year, we have Black Girl Magic Wine and Champagne, and it was really good. So I do that as well. Um, and there are a couple of Black vendors that I use for skincare products, and I only use Camille Rose products on my own hair, and that's a Black hair care line. Mm -hmm. So I'm intentional about trying to find Black businesses that I can use on an everyday basis. Um, and it has to be accessible. I will admit that if it's really hard to find, I'm not one that's going to like spend hours and hours trying to find somebody. But if I know where to find you, then I'm going to use it. I love that. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and dive Najere's bio. So um, Najere, oh snap, Maldonado, am I saying it right? That was right. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so Najere Maldonado is a New Orleans, Louisiana native who loves to spend time with friends and family while eating good food. Yes. She has practiced law for nearly 15 years and currently serves as a judge. Najere lives in the metro Atlanta, Georgia area with her husband, Raymond or Ramon? Ramon. Ramon. And their four children, three of whom are in college. She writes real life stories that are relatable and stir up discussion. Her writing style invites the reader into the stories, making it hard to put the books down. In to writing, Najere spends her free time volunteering and mentoring youth. I love this. I love your bio. I actually really love the fact that you put your husband's name in here. I feel like sometimes we leave out, you know, important, significant people mm -hmm. to our life, their name. So I think that's beautiful, just saying. I mean, it was just, you know, common sense to me. It's funny because we were we were doing like some business stuff one time and we had to list like our assets and we both listed our wedding rings and the guy that was helping us was like, you know what? People always forget their wedding rings. I have to remind them about their wedding rings. And we were like, what? That's an asset. So <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because it's kind of common sense to us, but apparently everybody else doesn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Um, but so today you all will be chatting about Najere's book, uh, which is titled Mama Didn't Raise This Woman. So starting off, can you share with us the healing that you found in writing this book? Um, I realized that there was a lot of stuff that I had suppressed that I did not address in my past. Um, 
during the writing process itself. Like I had some really emotional days, like seriously emotional days writing the book, but it also made me face some of the um, hard truths about myself, about why I move and act the way that I move. Um, so it, it just made me face a lot of the things that I had decided I was just gonna say, oh, the past is the past and I'm just gonna let it go when really and truly I hadn't let it go. And it's made me more intentional about my relationships now and not just saying, oh, we'll just let it go and you know it'll go away because things don't really go away like that things that really affect you just don't go away you need to you need to um deal with them head on or it'll just keep repeating itself most definitely mm -hmm. so um i we also wanted to talk about you know the generational patterns that we noticed within the book and i know i asked you this last time with the film scholar girls but i gotta ask again because you know you gave such good answers so the question reads um reading your book several generational patterns were discussed one being secrets what age do you think is old enough to, to disclose the truth? And can you share about, you know, your journey in realizing these patterns? Um, so I think that really just depends. Sometimes it, the age is appropriate based on the child and their maturity level. And sometimes it's situational where something just happened and the child is aware and that presents an opportunity to explain it right then and there. Um, and, but you have to explain it at the level in which they can understand whether that means they're two or if they're 14, mm -hmm. but it should be pushed off because you feel like, oh, it's not time. It's not time. No, it, it just happened. Let's talk about it right now while we're dealing with it. Um, so I think that's the, the age, <laughs> the age that's appropriate. It really just depends is the best answer. Um, and, you know, in, in, my case, there were some things that I felt like were never explained to me. And that I really just had to figure out all on my own. And even as an adult, I would come across a situation that reminded me of something in the past. And I didn't know how to really deal with it because mm -hmm. the truth is that I never did deal with it. And I had to make the conscious decision that, okay, I need to start doing this for my kids for my family so that they don't ever feel like they were just at a loss and didn't know how to deal with a situation. Yeah, most definitely. I know, again, another question I had already asked you, but I gotta ask you again, in thinking about your younger self, what are some of the things you would tell that younger self, you know, being the place that you are now? What are some of the things you would tell that person? What are some of the things you maybe try to hold on to, let go of, all that stuff? I would definitely tell my younger self to ask the question, to be present. Don't dismiss yourself because you feel like, well, you know, that seems like none of my business when you know, you know, when I knew that I had something to do with it, but I was like, well, nobody's really talking directly to me. So let me just walk away. Mm -hmm. When I really did have a lot of questions that I just felt like it wasn't my place to ask. Um, I will tell my younger self that I had every right to know what was happening and that I was, I was a part of the family, that I wasn't this, I, I, sometimes I felt like an outcast, not because other people made me feel that way, but because I felt like when I was there, people couldn't talk around me. And I think that that was part of them feeling like they were protecting me at the time, but really it was making me feel like I didn't belong because when I would leave the room, then I would hear people talking. So I should have just spoke up and said, can I know what's happening yeah. instead of dismissing myself? 
Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, as people are listening, they're probably like, I got to read this book. What are they talking about? Can you give us like a short blurb where you don't tell too much of the book, but give the readers a little bit of like a little bit of foundation as to what we're talking about so they're not too confused? Absolutely. So I grew up primarily in a house where either my mother was in and out of the house, she was not consistently there, or after my parents separated, I was raised by my father, not by my mother. Um, so that's the title, Mama Didn't Raise This Woman, but there was always a struggle in having a relationship with her. And as a woman, I do recognize now, not only as a mother of young women, but also as a friend of other people who had really, really close relationships with their mother, there was so much that I missed out on by not having my mother to raise me. Mm. So that essentially is what the book is about. Yeah. You're making me think, Donika, sorry, I had to ask another question because it's making me think about this past episode that we recorded and we talked about attachment. So I'm curious about your journey with attachment and your thoughts on it as far as, you know, from childhood up until you being an adult now and you're in this relationship, it's very clear that you are in love with your husband and you love your husband. That's very obvious, right? So I want to just highlight what's been your experience with attachment, whether it's been like, you know, a disorganized attachment when you were young and, you know, a secure attachment now. I just want to hear like your thoughts on that. It's, it's funny you ask that. It's actually very polar opposite because either I am 100% with you or I'm like, oh, I, got, I can't do this. Um, so I... <laughs> I'm the friend, the sister, his wife, that well, when something happens, I'm there, I'm going to be ride or die, I'm going to be loyal. But then when I feel like things are getting a little bit sketchy, I, I mean, I'm going to try um, for a, a period of time to try to address the situation, make the relationship whole. But if I feel like that that's just who the person is, then I'm going to say, you know what, I can't do this. I appreciate that this is how you are, but that's just not how I'm going to be with you. Mm -hmm. so my circle is really, really small because I value people who I know are going to consider me and appreciate the fact that I'm going to consider them. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like that that's not happening, then we could be associates, but I'm not going to consider you a friend. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get everything that involves my friendship. Yeah, that was a great answer. <laughs> I I yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like healthy, healthy, healthy relationships and healthy attachments actually. Yeah. I strive for. I mean, sometimes it seems um, it seems like I'm often called the blunt or the mean one or the which I don't care. I'm fine with all of that. Um, but I'm very observant. I'm really quiet around new people, which my husband is completely opposite. He will talk to everybody, but it takes me a while to um, open up to people because I just don't know if they're going to be around for a period of time. So what's the point of opening up? And that can be a bad thing because, mm -hmm. you know, then I seem kind of standoffish at first. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that I am. And the people who stick around, they eventually learn that, oh, I understand why you are that way. So I hear a lot of you being proactive in protecting yourself. Very yeah. much so. That's completely okay. Yeah. yeah. I did um, want to jump back just a little, just because I, I don't, I, I hope everybody understands how big of a deal 
um, how Najere just explained like these secrets and especially our black families and different ways to disclose our different ways to tell the truth to uh, the younger children in the family. I love the way you explained it. And I really feel like I haven't heard anybody explain it that way. You talked about the situational piece and also are, if they're mature enough. Mm -hmm. And the way you just explained that, I'm just imagining if any Black parents are listening to this right now and are able to incorporate that into how they're raising their children, the lives that could change of yeah. being able to do that. So I just want to acknowledge that piece and I really hope that everybody's listening to that. Uh, and I think this even goes past just children, right? Even as we get to like adulthood, how we talk about secrets and how we're able to explain it to our loved ones and people we care about. So I just wanted to give you some kudos points to that because it's huge. And it also brings me to this next question, which is asking, um, how do you feel your upbringing has taught you and mothering your own children? Um, it has taught me to be as open as possible with them. Like I said, it's situational and it's about maturity. So my kids know, they know just about everything. I mean, some details, depending again on the situation, their age, I might leave some details out. But overall, they know the story. They know the history. They know that it wasn't easy or that it was easy or that I repeated the same mistake again. Um, so it's made me pretty open. And I'll also say this because I, it, it, was a, it was difficult for me to open up about some things and to have discussions with them, but my husband made it very easy. Like he, like he could talk to anybody, but he's also a open book. He does not mind broaching any subject with anybody. So sometimes he would sit our kids down and say, hey, we want to have a conversation with you. What do you think about, you know, what do you think about smoking weed? Y'all smoke weed? We have three college students. And I would never have been that comfortable with starting it off just that bluntly. But he's like, what? What are we beating around the bush for? Let's talk about the situation. So it's made me a lot more comfortable with just... Um, saying what it is, because um, that's difficult as well. And I can appreciate with some parents, they don't want to come off as too crass with their children. But when their kids are like at school or talking to their friends, it just is what it is. So why can't we be that way? Um, and that's how I've learned to do it, that not only is it okay to tell them the things that have happened, but to just say it like it is and not sugarcoat it. Yes, mm -hmm. it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I know this wasn't in the questions that we sent over to you, but I, I'm noticing that it wasn't a question about like this single fatherhood piece of, mm -hmm. and how, at least in my experience, is different. You know, I don't, I don't hear about a lot of single fathers growing up. So like just asking you just like, what are your thoughts about that and how that shaped like who you are? Let me, let me say, I know people, some people say, oh, don't tell people that everything happens for a reason because that means you're not listening to them or yeah, every, I really do believe that everything happens for a reason. So when I was growing up, the single fatherhood was a foreign concept to me too, even though I was living in it. Nobody else that I knew had that situation. Oddly enough, as an adult, we have several really close friends who are single fathers. So... 
it not only normalized it for me because even as a young adult, I was still the only one that had the single father upbringing. All of my other friends had either both parents or just their mom. So now that I have friends that are single fathers and they come to me with situations, I'm like, oh yeah, I could tell you how your daughter may be feeling or don't say that to her because it, you know, you might be playing, but it actually hurts her feelings and things of that nature. So it's actually normal for me to see it. And I love to see it because people either say, oh, you know, you should have a two parent household. Well, we all know that sometimes that's just not going to work. But the fact that, you know, having a, a, a father raise you as a woman, especially, it just gives you such a different perspective about not only how to deal with guys, but how to deal with the world because men just look at things differently than what we do, full stop, you know? And so it just, it, it gives you a different perspective. So it's actually pretty, it's normal for me. And I really love to see it because there's such a stereotype that men don't want to take care of their children. It's just not true. It's just that, you know, the world, society thinks that women are the best caregivers therefore they live with their mothers whereas in some situations that's just not the case right. yeah thank you so much for breaking that down on your experience and so we've talked about love of a parent right we've talked about love of your children love of romantic partner husbands but love about yourself right uh, sometimes we we forget to talk about that or we don't so how have you learned to love yourself or learning to love yourself? I'm glad you said learning because it's an ongoing process. Um, at different phases in your life, you ladies know, um, you are not the same person that you were when you were in middle school, high school. You've evolved. So at different phases in your life, you have to relearn or accept different things about who you have become. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to first do that really before you expect anyone else to accept it. Uh, because you might find that there's something that you build a pattern in doing that you really don't like about yourself and you need to change it. So how are you expecting somebody else to love that and then you're changing it all of a sudden? So being conscious about who you are, what you tolerate, what you want, what your expectations are, is all part of loving yourself and being really honest with yourself is part of it as well. Um, I don't shy away from asking questions of the people who I love, even when I have an intuition that it might hurt my feelings because I, I need to know what they really feel about a situation or where we're we going in this situation. And I think that that's part of loving myself as well because I'm willing to accept that I might lose that part of my life and I'm gonna be okay because I have me. Mm -hmm. So that's all part of really loving yourself. In my opinion, at this stage, at 41 years old, that's my opinion. Yeah, I like hearing that. I hear a lot of, you know, being patient with yourself and gentle with yourself because it's a journey. <laughs> so we ask all of our listeners for a takeaway. So we want to ask you, what are some takeaways you have for our listeners? It could be about anything regarding life. Um, if you have something that you've been dealing with and you don't, if you feel like you don't have anyone that you can really talk to about it, write it down. I mean, that's how I started writing my book. 
And I think that it's so important that we tell our stories. Um, a lot of us feel like that there's a part of our life that only we've gone through because the circle of people that we keep around us, they don't necessarily go through those same things. So we feel isolated in them. But that means that you have a story to share with somebody. And then you realize that there are so many other people who share your story, maybe not your exact circumstance, but your story nonetheless. Um, after I wrote my book, I realized that I wasn't just speaking to the girls who was literally raised without their mother, but also the girls who had their mother and their relationships just were not good. And I was not thinking that that was my original audience. I, you know, honestly, I didn't, but I find that there's so many who are like that. So I would just have everybody just write down your story or write down that situation and at least share it with somebody. We really have to learn to start sharing with each other because that's where the healing is when you feel like you're not alone. That's the takeaway that I have. Yeah, most definitely. What is a question that you might ask? Let's say that someone is wanting to tell their story and they don't know where to start. What could be a question to get them started to maybe start this narrative, whether it be they want to write a book about it, they just want to, you know, get out their thoughts. What could be a starting question that you might ask them? Um, what is the hardest thing that you've had to deal with in your life? Start there. Mm -hmm. um, because the, the, the way that my book started is not where my thought process started at all. I only felt like I needed to go back there to explain my central thought. Um, and my central thought was, why do I act the way that I act with my friends, my family, my children? Where did all of this come from and how can I learn from it? That's where my book started. And obviously that was me asking myself that question as an adult, not the kid <laughs> in chapter one. So that's the question you should ask. What is the difficult situation that I've been through and how did I deal with it? I think it's really cool that you asked that question because as someone who's talked to you twice, read the book, talked about the book with other people, I feel like I witnessed a journey that is amazing, of course. And the way you like pose this question, I'm like, everything makes sense and how the book fell in line and then my conversations with you. So yeah, if y'all need somewhere to start, I definitely, from just reading your book, I'm like, it makes so much sense that you start there. So I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Danica, were you going to add something? No, I just think this, like reading the book for me, um, and so far I've read it once, but books like this, I feel like you could read it several different times and you'll get different, like activating feelings and thoughts that'll come up. Uh, but so far reading it this first time, uh, I kind of, it's, it's one of those where I feel like I had to even mourn for your younger self um like one of those but also celebrate like who you are today mm -hmm. like reading it like for me especially especially when it's like a true narrative I really get into the character so I felt like I was you and your stories and how you explained it and your experiences um so I just really appreciate you being vulnerable in this book and sharing like you said these real stories that we need to hear that helps us grow in so many different ways Thank you. I appreciate that because honestly, every time I read it, it's funny because I've read it a 
bunch of different times. And every time I talk about it, it's like I get a different emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think that that was going to happen either. I thought I was going to pour it all out and then I was going to be renewed. And that's when I realized, no, this is, this is ongoing. I just really started the process of my healing from everything that I spoke of and everything that I thought I learned, I'm actually still learning. That wasn't the end of the lesson. So I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, again, sometimes you really feel like I'm the only one that's feeling this because it's my book. I didn't realize that maybe other people would feel different emotions if they went back and read it again as well. Yes, yes. definitely. I'm already planning to reread it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to chatting with you again. Thank you. I really appreciate you ladies, not only um, sharing my book, because that is my ultimate goal is to share it. I don't want to become like this, you know, award-winning author. That wasn't my life goal, but I certainly wanted to start a process of breaking generational curses and having people just talk to each other about what's happening in their lives so that we can share our experiences. And you ladies have given me a platform, not once, but twice. So I really, really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Anytime. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, I really appreciate, you know, hearing other people's stories. And I think that it's really cool that this month we were able to shift the focus of how we talk about love. I know that, you know, oftentimes when we talk about it, we talk about romantic partners. And I don't know that that's my interest. I want to talk about all the other things, not knocking that. But at the same time, let's talk about, you know, different experiences with love. And I think that we really nailed the head on that this month with the way that we approach that. So yeah. Monique, you want to add anything? Yeah. I'm loving our book, our book episodes right now, just because it's making me understand, even though we we love books, we always talk about a nice little book that we read and I want to read. Well, books are healing, y'all. Yes, they are. That this is a whole healing modality, <sighs> like a whole thing. So, like books, books are the shit. Do you ever so, sometimes not want to finish your book because it's so good? Oh yeah, I'll, oh. <laughs> I'll put it down. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, or or sometimes I'll like reread a page like several times. Yeah, like girl, <laughs> chill out, stop rereading the same thing. <laughs> No, because I'm reading this Kobe Bryant book and <laughs> I've been reading this book for like five months, but it's because the book is so good. I don't want to go to the next chapter. I even started the whole book over and I keep stopping a chapter. It's like 60 or 80 chapters, something ridiculous, oh. um, but they're short chapters. So they're like four pages a chapter. But anyway, mm-hmm. I keep restarting the book because I'm like, no, it's getting too good. Stop. <laughs> but right. I finish it because I got other books to read. Yeah, you got to finish it. But yeah, books are healing, y'all. So we encourage y'all to continue tuning in as we read these books. And we hope that you're getting some satisfaction (laughs) satisfaction, um, from joining us. Also, let us know if it's a book that y'all think that we should read and do a review on or have them on the episode. Uh, Or maybe you got a book. Reach out to us. We can have you on the episode. So as y'all know, we recently dropped our Black Woman Healing Workbook. It's called Let's Heal. So be sure to check that out on Amazon. The links will be everywhere. You'll be able to find it. So make sure that y'all are checking that out. Also, 
as we've shared, we will be reading The Guardians of Orisha for the month of March. So be sure to check out that book. And I feel like I'm just going on and on about books. <laughs> I was going to say, and then I heard about this new book y'all should read, but I'm going to stop because I could go on and on forever. But again, our book is called Less Hill by Donika Myra. If you type in Less Hill, Donika Brown, Myra Hollis, it pops up on Amazon. And we're wanting to go ahead and dive into some different healing modalities with you all. We will be going live and showing y'all how we utilize some of these tools. These are tools that we actually use. We didn't just come up with this off the top of our head. We actually do these things and we found them to be helpful. So we're very grateful that we are able to share this with you all. And that is it for this week's episode of Black Woman Healing Pod. Again, let's heal on Amazon. <laughs> I'm joking at this point. Anyway, y'all <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. And I hope y'all have a good rest of your week. Stay tuned for episodes every Monday.